wellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. Today, we've got a guest uh, called Melissa Gearings, who's uh, a herbalist and naturopath from Newcastle, who I met, and you get to hear the interview shortly. But before we get into the interview, I just wanted to mention something, because during the interview, we had a bit of a conversation about uh, mental health and antidepressants. And um, Melissa's view around antidepressants was that they do come in useful. And this is also a view that we share. And uh, Joe, I know from your perspective, Mm -hmm. you dealt with Isaac uh, with uh, anti-anxiety medication when he was going through. Step first, yeah. Yeah. And... um, but it's, it's always uh, our personal view here, and this is not medical advice at all, but our, our personal view is that if something is um, wrong, we always try to look at the underlying cause of the disease. So uh, un- unlike what we do with things like um, uh, in Western medicine where we take say, antibiotics when we have an infection, and uh, we'll do that just for instance, to get over the infection, we sort of want to know why people get recurring infections, and we try to deal that with gut health. And that's that's always the stance that we take um, personally in our lives, that we tr- always try to uncover the reason why our body is giving us a signal as to why things are going wrong. And um, we hold the view that if you're on antidepressants, uh, of course, um, this is what you need to be on, but uh, we also encourage you to take a holistic view towards your health and see if there's anything that you can do to improve your symptoms through approaching your health in a holistic fashion. So, um, Joe, I know we've uh, recorded a podcast. I wasn't there for that one, but yeah. we, we have. So we have, we have talked about this in another podcast with Kelly Brogan, who is a psychiatrist in America, and she um, doesn't prescribe antidepressants to her patients, and she helps them to... Um, to heal holistically, and if they are on antidepressants when they come to her, she helps them to slowly um, wean themselves off that by and work through all the issues that are contributing to the anxiety and depression. So we have sort of got um, this viewpoint with Melissa today, and then we have another viewpoint with Kelly Brogan. So you might want to listen to both podcasts and to, to sort of, you know, work out what's best for you Um in my own situation, like most of you know, um, Isaac started off on on some antidepressants when he was really bad with OCD, um, but it was never something that we wanted to do long term. We worked really hard to heal his gut so that he could come off those antidepressants, and he did within a year, and he hasn't had to go back on them, and it's been two and a half years now. Um, so, you know, I think this is something that we thought we would just mention at the start of the podcast because we want you to be aware that there is a lot of different viewpoints on this and, um, you know, you hear, you'll hear different viewpoints on our podcast show um, and it, it's good. It makes us think, right? Absolutely. I mean, this is a controversial topic and we shouldn't really be afraid of getting into these things to mm. talk about them. And I'm really respectful of Melissa that she brought that kind of perspective on, onto the show. And um, this is a, a valid viewpoint. And, yeah. um what what really we want to emphasize here more than anything is the fact that we believe that when we're having symptoms of sickness that there's an underlying cause and the best thing yeah. to do is to try to 
treat the underlying cause. And if sometimes the symptoms are too much to handle, then definitely we should be able to have symptomatic relief as well. Yeah. So um, encourage you to take ownership of your health and and to continue to strive for better health in your in your own lives. Hello everyone and welcome to a quirky journey. This is your host Fuad Kassab and with me my co-host Joe Witten. Hi Joe. Hello. Today we have a special guest. Uh, they're all special guests and today is an extra special guest because we've had her on the podcast twice now. <laughs> you haven't heard the first time because the first time that we had her on we uh, failed to record correctly so she's kindly agreed to come uh, back onto the show to record the podcast again and we're really excited to have her again because there's so many more questions to, to have. So today we've got nutritionist, naturopath and herbalist Melissa Gearing with us. Hello Melissa, how are you? Hello, I'm good. I'm Hi, recording. Yeah, hey, we're all I'm recording. recording. We've got we're like recording. three yeah. recordings going. <laughs> <laughs> We've got backups so, for our backups. <laughs> so um, I met Melissa at the Cindy O'Meara class that she was doing. She had a day course up in Newcastle a few months ago. And I went up with Lucy Lichtenstein, who's been on the podcast before, uh, to talk about sleep. And um, on our lunch break, we went outside and uh, we started having a chat. And I got to meet Melissa and to talk to her. And within a few minutes of talking to her, I realized that she's uh, uh, quite a special person when it comes to talking about health and nutrition. She uh, shares similar views to what we talk about in the show in terms of whole foods and uh, healthy eating. Uh, of course, uh, you know, coming to the Cindy O'Meara class was one of the indicators that she shares this type of philosophy and she want, wants to sort of uh, learn more about it. So it was quite a, a great encounter to have someone with that kind of training and background to, to meet and to talk to and geek out with about herbs. <laughs> and uh, so we, we asked Melissa to come onto the show to talk about herbal medicine. Um, and um, first of all, um, well, welcome, Melissa. Thanks for coming back again onto the show. Uh, apologies for the first time. It, it went bad, and uh, we hope this time is going to be better. Um, Melissa, do you want to share uh, your story with us, how you came to become uh, a nutritionist, naturopath, and herbalist, and uh, about your background in that space? Yeah, sure. Um, well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here again. I don't mind talking to you guys. It's not a chore, so oh, <laughs> not a worry. Um, and what an awesome intro. Thank you. Um, I think for me, I well, I'll start from the start, I guess. I, I always, I guess, probably wanted to be a healer, but I um, went about it the, well, I say the traditional route, even though what I do now is more traditional, but into that mainstream medical kind of um route through university I studied nuclear medicine and um pretty much hated every second of it <laughs> and, um, so, <laughs> I knew that I wanted to work with people and I wanted to help and um I studied really hard in my HSC to get a good enough UAI to get into something medical related um at university and you know when you are out school there's not really an option to um you know I never even knew what an path was to tell you the truth until I reached my 20s and I think, you know, one of um, the things that we really work on now in my industry is letting kids know that this is an option, you know, for a, a vocation and for an occupation. Um, but, yes, yeah, so I went to uni and I did that and then, you know, hated it, like I said, and um, ended up um, getting really sick from that and chronic fatigue and stuff like that. So because it's a really hard kind of, um, as you know, if you want to do anything in the medical industry that tend to push you to the breaking point. Um <laughs> 
So, yeah, anyway, ended up, one of my friends actually said to me, you should be a naturopath. And I was like, what is that? So I looked it up and I I called around a bunch of people in Newcastle at the time and said, can I just come and see what you do? And I got a bunch of no's at first. And I was like, oh, well, I don't really know if I want to do that if these people aren't even willing to, you know, kind of talk to me about what they do. And I think traditionally there has been a lot of, um, you know, defensiveness from from naturopaths and, and um you know, my industry to the general public and probably thinking that I was just somebody trying to make a fuss or, you know, um, shed a negative light, which hopefully is starting to change um, with the new generation of us coming through. But finally somebody said yes and they went in and um, seen what she did and she actually straight away was like, you're not eating anywhere near enough, you're not eating the right kinds of foods, like, you know, and this was just in a – our meeting where we kind of just were, you know, chatting about what she did and, and, you know, she was like, you look really anemic and all these kind of things that you just could see about me and I was really underweight at the time. So oh, well, that sounds familiar I, to me. <laughs> yeah. I fell in love with her immediately and I was like, I want to do this, you know. Um, you know, I want to I be able to make these potions and some of the really cool stuff that she showed me she was doing at the time. Um, and she was very traditional herbal medicine, which I still – still holds a huge place in my heart even though I practice evidence-based medicine now um and then yeah I guess my journey with food started when I got a parasite (laughs) from Bali in 2014 and um again went down that same route so my my constitution is not very good if things aren't quite right for me in terms of food and taking care of myself so when I got this parasite it really kind of it hit me really hard and I had to, um, yeah, pretty much a year and a half to two years of um, getting rid of that and um, the same kind of symptoms as when I wasn't well. So I wrote a book on that and um, that's, yeah, that's really brought the nutrition aspect of what I do to the forefront now. Um, so I do lots of food intolerance and things like that with my clients because of that experience. So that's probably where I've come from and now I, I do dabble a bit of everything and <laughs> write books and, and I'm in the clinic and um, I'm on social media a lot because that's a big part of it as well. So, mm. yeah, you've got to kind of be an all-rounder to be a naturopath these days. Yeah, you sure do. <laughs> so is a naturopath uh, someone who is sort of similar to a doctor but just uses natural medicine Is that, or is there a bit more of a distinction between a naturopath and a, and a Western, Western-trained doctor? Yeah, I think that's probably a controversial uh, question for Ad, <laughs> depending on how I answer it. When, like if I go to a dinner party and somebody says, oh, what do you do? I say I'm a herbalist and, and they just kind of look blankly at me and I say I'm a doctor but I give people natural herbs instead of medicine, the pharmaceuticals, you know, and they go, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> but know that if my naturopathic colleagues were listening, they would, they would kick me because yeah. – there is so much more that we do do. So we spend a lot more time with people in terms of getting to know, you know, what what their body is all about in terms of a holistic approach and looking at their diet and looking at their lifestyle and not just looking at them from a presentation of symptoms, which I think uh, a doctor, you know, and no fault to them, but they only have 20 minutes if you're lucky with people. Oh, so. Yeah. They, you know, I've got a cold or flu or I've got this infection or I've got this or that. So it's very symptom-based and disease-based, whereas we kind of come at it from, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely cure the cold and flu, but why are you getting the cold yeah. and flu? Can we prevent it next time? 
This is one thing I really noticed when um, I first went to a naturopath. I'd gotten so frustrated with not getting the help I needed. And um, every time I went to the doctor, I was rushed through. I remember going to the doctor one day. And as I was walking down the hall following him back to the room, he was, he was looking behind him and looking at me as we were walking saying, so what's the matter? Like, hurry up, quick, tell me what's the matter. I'm thinking, my goodness, we haven't even got to the room yet. And he was in such a rush and I just felt like I could never get the help I needed. And the first time I went to a naturopath, the appointment was like an hour and a half. And he, yeah. he checked my hair, he checked my nails, he checked my eyes, he talked to me about everything I eat and everything I do. And I was just like, yeah. what in the world? Well, is it, I isn't his job to answer the question, what's the matter? Like yeah, he shouldn't that's be, right. asking, yeah, he should he be answering at, that. That's right. He looked at me and told me what was the matter. And it was so funny because um, he, he changed my diet. And every time I went in to see him, I'd think, I really hope he doesn't figure out that I've been eating wheat. And he'd look in my eyes and go... <laughs> You've been eating such and such. I'll be like, ah! Oh! <laughs> you can always tell. Wow, that's so, incredible. Yeah, totally different. <laughs> Couldn't hide. There's that little bit of magic to what we do, yeah. I think, in aerobiology and in herbal medicine. So I love that. I really yeah. love that. Uh, so, in terms of the training that you get as a herbal medicine practitioner, uh, can you illuminate us with uh, what you studied? Yeah, so uh, there's not much that we don't look at. And in, in terms of ongoing study, it is continuous. Like I finished my bachelor degree um, this year and then um, most of us go on to a master's degree as well. So we're always kind of studying. But uh, initially you get an advanced diploma and um, being a naturopath is actually three separate advanced diplomas. So it's an um, advanced diploma in herbal medicine, one in uh, nutritional medicine and one in um, naturopathy. And then you normally have to do a component of either massage or uh, homeopathy as well to round off that naturopathy kind of wow. um, degree. So, you know, when we, when we do herbal medicine, that's, we study hundreds of herbs and um, we don't use them all every day, but certainly, you know, you need to know the botanical names of each, you know, what family that's from, the constituents of each, and that goes into a lot of depth. And we also then do the study of pharmaceuticals um, and, you know, pharmacodynamics and how our drugs, the drugs that are commonly used are affected by herbs or oh. vice versa and things like that. So lots of anatomy and fears and, um, you know, lots of, um, you know, we look at all the biochemical testing as well so that we know how to read testing and how to um, refer people for that. And, yeah, it's it's quite in-depth and comprehensive. But mm. actually at the end of this year is the last year that we'll we'll actually do a teach-out of advanced diplomas. So I'm, I teach the college in Newcastle and we'll teach out um, advanced diplomas. We will only be able to study a bachelor degree of naturopathy coming into 2018, which I think is so exciting because it really raises the bar for us because we are healthcare practitioners. And yeah. um, I think it's really important that our um, our education is at a higher higher level and the bachelor degree will do that. That's good. Um, one thing that I want to focus on is um, as the nutrition aspect and nutritional aspect and the naturopath uh, work is really the uh, the herbs side of things. Because since we last spoke, um, I've actually gone and bought three books about uh, herbal medicine and I've been immersed in that world and I've been reading a lot about it. And um, it's, uh, it's fascinating to me. And I'll share my thoughts throughout uh, this podcast. But um, 
first of all, for our listeners who don't know about um, drugs and plants, uh, can you talk to us about the relationship between drugs that we commonly have in, a, in you know, pharmacies and um, plant equivalents and uh, the historical relationship between uh, plants and drugs? Yeah, for sure. Have you, I have to ask, have you got Green Pharmacy by Barbara Greaves? Uh, no. Let oh, get, right. uh, That's another book uh, you're going to put on your list. <laughs> get out oh, and get that. She, What's it called? It's uh, Green Pharmacy Green by Pharmacy. Barbara Briggs. She is amazing. So she wrote this fantastic book and I actually took a lot of her um, influence to write my first aid book when I made my first aid kit because she really talks about the, where we've come from and, and how every single doctor and every single pharmacist used to be a herbalist. It was that simple. And a lot of the pharmaceuticals that we use originated from a plant constituent. So as a herbalist, um, there's a philosophy of using a whole plant, a whole herb, um, whatever part that might be, but we do not, we don't separate it. So we take um, turmeric, for example, and use that whole turmeric herb. Whereas, you know, in, and there's a crossover, there's a huge crossover between supplements and pharmaceuticals at the moment because um, they will take one kind of ingredient. When I say constituent, I'm referring to an ingredient, say if you have 30 ingredients in your cake and you take one ingredient out, certainly um, that ingredient isn't going to function as it would if it was with all the others to make a cake. So, you know, when we look at turmeric, they take the curcumin out of it and isolate it and it becomes uh, more potent, more volatile, so can have uh, different effects and can have side effects as well. So Hmm. a great example of that herbal versus pharmaceutical is white willow. White willow bark we still use for pain relief. Um, I've got some in my in my own dispensary and I love it and I use it all the time. Um, but what they did was take aspirin out of white willow and use that as a uh, pain reliever. You know, we all have heard of aspirin or used it in the past. Um, it works quicker. It's, you know, it's fantastic for pain, but we know that if you take aspirin, you know, long-term or don't have it with food, that it can cause ulcers in the tummy because it kind of burns it. So that's a really good example of the uh, volatility of something when it's taken out of its whole form. Mm. So this is uh, what actually the, the perfect thing to talk about because when you mentioned this last time I'm on the podcast, that's what really, really uh, mm-hmm. got my mind going because after we hung up, I was thinking about this idea of like white willow being, um, you know, something that doesn't cause the side effects that aspirin does. And uh, I went in to have a look at um, white willow online. I, I searched as much as I can and I found out that what happens is within the white willow bark, uh, there are these tannic compounds, basically the bitter bitter uh, chemicals within the bark, which um, if you have white willow tincture, you'll taste them. Uh, these tannins are uh, protective to the gut lining, and mm-hmm. then the uh, white willow bark also still has the active compound of aspirin, uh, which is uh, salicylic acid, is that correct, Melissa? Yeah. Uh, yeah, all right. So, um, I I flipped out when I when I read that because this is this is the thing for me that um, like I 
I've heard about white willow bark before, and, and usually the conversation happens in the other direction from the perspective of Western medicine. And they say, well, back in the day, people used to just take white willow bark and boil it down and drink it for pain relief. But sometimes they could overdose on it because they didn't know the exact dosage. Every tree was different. And sometimes people could just have way more than they need and it could cause like issues for them. Now we take out the aspirin out of it and we can have measured, you know, a uh, certain doses. amount of micrograms or yeah. doses and then, you know, it's so much safer for you. But this is the cool thing about the uh, what, you, what you're saying is modern herbal medicine will take something like white willow bark, it will uh, get it as a, as a whole food, so it'll mm-hmm. boil the entire bark and it'll get all the thousands of compounds that exist within that bark, which, of which we only know the active compound to be salicylic acid, but we don't know actually if there's other stuff because we haven't Correct. studied the thousand compounds. And then together, we, we mix them together. Um, where they don't, we, we don't mix them, we have it in the tincture. And when, when we have that, it's, it's like a whole food. It's like eating, say, a sweet potato versus, uh, or eating like an apple versus drinking apple juice. And uh, we all know that apple juice causes a lot of blood sugar fluctuations and all these detrimental issues. But then um, when you have it in whole food, it doesn't have those effects. But then add on top of of this, the ability for us now to have really measured herbal uh, herbal medicine extractions. Like we have white willow bark, which you can give from your dispensary which we know exactly it contains this much per milliliter of salicylic acid Every so that i use has a dosage range and that is from thousands of years of anecdotal evidence and all of our clinical research as well so when i said before i practice evidence-based medicine it is hey this this willow bark has been used at this dose to treat headaches um in this in this cohort of people so yeah this sorry Oh, I was going to say yes. Yeah, so we have dosage, which yeah, this, this is the the big the big thing here because um, what I, one of the things to really avoid herbal medicine is like the complete randomness of extractions would would have been a cons- like a cause for concern if people are dealing with highly potent plant extracts and they don't know the dosage they could certainly be harmful because the difference between like a poison and a, a drug uh, and food is really the dosage and um, if we go too high on this on anything you know it might be detrimental for us so it's fantastic to see that you know with your practices we have these ability like these uh, dosed uh, medicines that we can take which like I'll, I'll see a a pendulum swing back towards the herbal medicine uh, route if people start realizing this because mm. they'll see that it offers actually the best of both worlds like it gives you a whole food it gives you something that protects you uh, wholly like the plant will give you everything that you need to for the the active function of that plant to take place within you but at the same time it uh, it's completely safe because we know how much you're getting every time, which is a, a concern that people have had uh, ingrained in them out of the Western medicine view. So this is this this blew my mind, and it just <laughs> got me thinking about all the all these things that you know we've been um, you know avoiding having as plants in our lives just out of that fear. And there's just so many. There's five hundred thousand plant species on this planet, <laughs> and that. Uh, you know, so it's, it's just an amazing world for, to explore and to start looking into. So maybe you, can you talk to us about some, some of your favorite uh, plants that you use and how you use them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, <clears throat> two points. It's completely safe if it's prescribed by 
somebody who has, you know, done the work to be able to prescribe it. Like you can buy some of these herbs off the shelf and they may not necessarily be suitable for people. And, you know, the drug interactions, if they are on other medication, I think it's really just an important point from my clinical perspective. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. of course. I, there's a huge, you know, I think the general public thinks all herbal medicine is safe sometimes. And, you know, I think it's still medicine. We need to respect that definitely. Mm. Um, and the other thing is, you know, it would be very rare for people to overdose on a true white willow herb because of that bitterness and because when we taste it we go oh that's that's enough like that's quite bitter mm-hmm. and traditionally we know that that wasn't a food that you would have a lot of does that make sense yeah of course yeah because it, it indicates yeah. you know like a, a dosage for us usually we can detect bitterness because it's usually toxic when we have something extremely bitter for us we yeah. avoid it you know a shaman or a medicine a medicine man or woman who would it would have who would a, know that already probably, but also B, you know, have some idea of what that was based on when they tasted each plant. So if it came from a different tree, then they would know that that one was stronger than the last, you know, the last cult, um, you know, cultivation. Yeah. Had. Um, but herb-wise, I think um, I always find this really difficult. Last time you asked me, I was like, oh, the herb, you know, I have <laughs> Probably have two dispensaries and a hundred herbs between them. Um, but I always, like, I just try to think of the ones that I get in, like, a big 2.5 litre because I go through them so much. Um, so it would definitely be licorice. And um, when I when I tell someone I'm putting licorice in their mix, they tend to, like, either they have a pol- – it's got a polarising effect, you know, they yes. screw their nose. I hate licorice confectionery candy stuff, you know, and or, oh, I love licorice. Either way, it's not the licorice that people think because, <laughs> you know, the lolly is mostly just sugar and some aniseed flavour. Um, so true licorice is this, you know, thick, beautiful, sweet, black herb that um, is has been shown in clinical research to reduce cortisol. So we know that's one of our stress hormones. Um, so it's fantastic for adrenal fatigue and um, chronic fatigue and all those kind of things. And it's also um, blood pressure balancing. So... Mm-hmm. It's great for people with low blood pressure or a bit of dizziness and that kind of thing. Um, so, so, so when you say balancing, um, yeah. can you just explain a little bit more? So if you've got high blood sugar, uh, sorry, high blood pressure, what happens pressure, then? Yeah. Does it bring it down? We tend to avoid it um, due to safety. Like it's some, we don't know. With some of our herbs, you know, we say they're balancing or they're modulating, but um, we don't really know how that works. The herbs have an affinity for certain you know um, disease states or um, symptoms and things like that and some we know like you know we've researched and researched and we know the constituents and we know the um, dynamics of in the body and some we don't so for licorice for example we would avoid it in high blood pressure but okay. some low blood pressure i would use it and um you know what if their blood pressure had stabilized it's really safe and you know there are huge uh famous you know very successful herbalists who will say that you would have to have the entire 2.5 litres of licorice in one go to have an effect or to affect that high blood pressure. So it's the same with St. John's wort and antidepressants. Like St. John's wort is one of my favourite herbs to use and um, it's one of the most well-known herbs in the general public and in the medical association as well. So it's attacked (laughs) quite a lot. Um, But, you know, there's the, the idea that, Saint uh, what will cause harm to somebody on antidepressants is also, uh, f- 
I guess, fought in um, with the big wigs in herb, herbal medicine. They say that it will not have that effect, but for safety reasons, we avoid it. Um, so we're very respectful of that and we don't want to harm anyone. And there's probably 15 other herbs that I could use for depression anyway. So we're very, I guess, wary of that. Mm. But, yeah, we do. That, that word balancing is um, <laughs> not exacting. It's not an exacting science still. I, I yeah, remember. because I, I read – oh, sorry. No, go. Go on, Joe. No, no, that's all right. Okay. I remember when I first started going to the naturopath, my blood pressure was really low. And, um, yeah, I had the carish in mind. And within about two weeks, things leveled out. I'm not yeah. sure what else he put in there. I can't remember. <laughs> but it really helped. Yeah, so maybe, maybe that's also a good point to talk about. It's, it took you two weeks to see benefit out of this, yeah. whereas typically other medicines right. is something that, that's instant. Uh, Melissa, maybe you can uh, tell us how people should be approaching herbal medicine uh, and not to confuse them with the effects of Western medicine. Yeah, I guess... For me, I would expect to see something happen for you, Joe. something positive in a couple of days. And then, yes, certainly it'll take a little bit longer for us to um, get like some really good holistic mm. benefits. For anything hormonal, we say, you know, I'd say three months, um, you know, up to three months. But if you come in with a specific symptom like fatigue or heavy bleeding, I would expect to see that um benefit within a couple of days you know like i can re- i can definitely reduce that bleeding in a, in a couple of days to a day even and mm. um we can give people a bit more energy in a couple of days we can get people better sleep in a night or two so that misconception that herbs are going to take ages to work certainly not and i think it takes a really good practitioner mm. for when that person comes back after a week to to um decipher because we're really busy and we just you know we take our herbs and we keep going on with life and we get caught up in it all um but you know when when people come back to that first follow-up that's always my favorite most exciting time because mm. you know I go back to the really specific stuff that they told me and go and they go oh yeah well that was gone the next day or that I felt better after two days or you know, like yesterday blood pressure was perfect you know <laughs> it's, it's so, a bit vague to me because it was about 12 years ago <laughs> <laughs> and that you know that's but, really funny. but I do remember um the first visit like you say the difference is because he did the live blood analysis and you could just see the difference it's amazing yeah. So I'll, I'll uh, share a story um, that happened after the podcast. Joe came to visit in Sydney with her family and I took them to a trip to the Blue Mountains <laughs> and we were in Katoomba and walking around and I see this herbalist shop like um, <laughs> just above the street level and I'm like, I'm going to call them and get some white willow bark off them. So I called up and I said, hi, like, do I need like an appointment? Because I'm, I'm just after some white willow bark. I just wanted, uh, a friend has told me it's good for pain. I'm going to try it out. She said, no, that's fine. We, you can, I can give you, a, uh, you know, some white willow bark. So I went and got some tincture from her. And um, I, she said, take, you know, what, half a teaspoon uh, twice a day. Um, so I, I took that and... Um, I have scoliosis, which causes like uh, aches and pains in my body that I've lived with for years. Then uh, not 
you know, terrible, but there's something quite uncomfortable. And um, I started experiencing like within like an hour, this uh, improvement in my body, I was just feeling so much better, so much more relief. Um, like my body just relaxed uh, a little bit more because when you have pain, you sort of hold yourself in certain ways where you try to avoid certain positions. And it just felt fantastic. And then for the next few days, I, I was taking it. Um, the pain was um, really well modulated. It didn't disappear. It was much better. And also what I noticed is uh, back in the day when I used to be really uh, sick, I used to have systemic acne that covered my entire body uh, from head to toe, really. And that went away with a whole food diet. And I only have remnants of that now. And it's sort of like on my face, like uh, around my beard. And it's not not a lot, maybe like two or three uh, bits of acne that come up, uh, you know, like they, they, I find them hard to, to go away. Um, they, they're almost always there, but uh, the rest of my body is fine. And I thought, you know, right, maybe these are remnants of being uh, sick all this time and, uh, you know, having got issues that haven't completely resolved themselves. And um, then within uh, two or three days of taking the white willow, the acne started going away and I just couldn't believe it. Like it just uh, started, like the pain went and the acne went and I felt I was feeling really great in my body. And I just felt like, you know, I'd found this amazing plant that it would just be so helpful for me in my life to just, um, you know, be without pain and not to worry about acne. Uh, anymore it, it was just absolutely fantastic and I fell in love with this plant I was just I still have a little bit of that tincture sitting next to me on my desk I haven't touched it I've, I'm done, I've finished it uh, but I've just left a little bit there just because it, you know I, I want to remind myself to get some more and every once in a while like I'll uh, I'll you know go I've got to get some more out of uh, this stuff and uh, you know it's just been a, a big win for me um, first of all thank you for uh, pointing me in that direction but um, it's just amazing to me that a plant like that can have so many effects, like both the acne and the pain went away, Melissa. So um, can you maybe talk a little bit about how it can have various effects, like how plants are just more holistic than like what a medicine would usually do? Yeah, um, so it's obviously treated with systemic inflammation. Yeah, that's you what know, we were talking about, so that, yes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just taken all that inflammation down for you. Um, what I'd say to you is imagine if we sat for an hour and you told me everything and <laughs> I I'm thinking that <laughs> I've heard that, you know, that's one herb that's treating yeah. this symptom. Um, yeah. the amount of things that we can do with inflammation and all of that leftover toxicity and stuff like that. Um, mm. you know, without, you know, no, <laughs> no offense. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, you know, telling you toxic. Um. Uh, no, I'm, I'm well aware of that. See, this is the thing. Like, I'm, I'm very happy to acknowledge the fact that my body is, it still needs a lot of work. And um, to me, it's, uh, it, it's great to know that because it, yeah. it sort of reminds me where I've come from and where I am now and where I need to go. So I don't mind having pain uh, in my body. I don't mind having a few, a few skin problems because they, um, you know, they're just a good reminder to keep learning more and, mm. and uh, digging deeper not get too Otherwise, complacent I think if, if I, yeah that's right if I got too mm. comfortable I'd probably just you know not look into it anymore but this stuff keeps me going and I love it so it's fine I'm very comfortable and I'm not in pain I yeah. you know I think pain is a sign that there's something wrong it's your body's only way of talking to you you might have pain it might have burping you might have bloating these symptoms are your body talking to you that's that's all it can do it doesn't have its own mouth you know we yeah, only have a mouth for our brain really <laughs> to convey yeah. what we're thinking 
happening. So that's a sign that something's not quite right. And even, you know, period pain is not normal. You, nobody has to have period pain. There's a sign that something's congested or stuck or, um, you know, something's not quite right. So we can work with that. So I think, you know, just, yeah, that was one herb. And I think you, the benefits of having a holistic mix, because even to some extent, we call one herb simple. So what you had was a simple of white willow and it's called a simple because A, it's one herb and, and B, it's, it's simple. It treats one symptom or, you know, two symptoms. It doesn't treat you holistically and it doesn't relieve or find the underlying factors that are causing the issue. Um, and certainly we'd always keep that white willow in there because you responded so well, but, you know, we could definitely, you know, chuck, chuck some more beautiful um, <laughs> herbs yeah. with everything. Can I yeah. ask? Oh, the, Sorry. No, I, I just wanted to talk about uh, just extending this point is in the books that I've been reading, they were talking about how herbs actually, um, they mediate uh, repair at uh, the cellular level rather than um, what, medicines that we're used to like they they kind of mute the body the body's pain they mute things uh, mm -hmm. rather than uh, causing any kind of true healing yeah and th that plants actually do cause healing and this is uh something that is like uh, quite amazing to me you know like if you really sit down and think about it that it promotes the body's ability to heal itself and i don't think that's talked about enough because we don't have any real healing medicines in western medicine apart from some say antibiotics but like they don't really heal you they like because they, they actually you come out worse in some instances well, yeah. as well uh, but um, maybe you can talk a little bit about how they promote this kind of healing Mm, foods, uh, well, herbs, I, I love a whole, the idea of a holistic food, um, you know, approach to healing. How And herbs are definitely food because they're safe, you know, plants that we can ingest. But they're, um, they're so medicinal plants are so much more than just food. And, you know, like I said, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of whole foods and all that kind of stuff and foods for healing but i think sometimes we just need something a little bit stronger or mm. something a little more um you know what's the word i'm looking for targeted i guess mm -hmm. and when you look at herbal medicine like i said it has to be respected because it can do damage and if you take the wrong herbs that aren't for you or you know that contraindicate with um your conditions or your medications then they can harm you because because of this potency because of the way we extract them because of the way we know exactly how what part of the plant to use and how to extract that each part is extracted differently and then it's um you know, we make sure that it has that active, all the active constituents that we are aware of are in there. You know, we assay them um, to make sure that we can, you know, provide an exacting dose each time. Um, so I think, yes, I always talk about herbs being the ultimate food um, in terms of healing and, and telling the body what it needs and providing the body. So, you know, we can provide nutritive herbs as well. Like, you know, if, if the iron is low or whatever it might be, and I find that they work so much more holistically and for longer than if I gave someone a supplement of iron. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, does that answer your question? I think that, yeah, I just think that herbs are, they're food, but they're so much more than food and they definitely, they balance, I'll use that word again, they balance, they modulate, they heal, they don't fix or cover up, um, you know, the, the issue. I really yeah, like... That's, that's an excellent like, thing to, to know, really. Joe, go on. Yeah. I really like what Mary Kelly says about um, food and supplements and things. She said... 
um, when you're healing the gut, like the food is foundational, um, but the the supplements and the herbs and things, they're like the cherry on top and sometimes you just need that. Absolutely. Sometimes you don't need the cherry and sometimes you do and mm. you, your life will, you know, throughout your life you'll go up and down and you'll have those times when you need it yeah. and you need it some extra support and then you'll have you know you might have six years ten years where you're really healthy and fine and then you get this you know thing happen and you yeah. need you need thing you need some herbs again well, and if, people who've been sick oh sorry you go. I was, people who've been sick chronically sick in the past or unwell mm. for a long time have had something you know um happen with their health they often need it for a bit longer um kind of kicks you know, things too doesn't it back we need to get them back to health yeah. um sometimes that's a bit harder but yeah when I, when I was so sick like about 12 years ago and um I first started going to the naturopath what I wanted was because I'd never been able to get the help I needed with my diet the doctors and nutritionists just really hadn't helped me there even though I knew deep down that there was something that you could do with diet surely um, so when I went to the naturopath, he really focused on that, but then also the herbs. And he said, you know, once you um, are going really well and your body's balanced out, then you can pull back on the herbs um, and just mm-hmm. use, you know, as you need it. Um, but that's how you need to get, get it started so that it all happens a lot quicker. Otherwise, it'll be a long time of healing. And, yeah, I did, I did see changes so quickly, like you said earlier. Yeah, and that's always our goal is to get people – to a well place Mm. so that changes that we make around the herbs or the supplements um you know can keep doing the work once we've you know made kind of built the stepping stones i guess yeah built you back up again yeah melissa you you have two dispensaries and uh obviously the one uh, is more like in the city than the other one and uh, like can you tell us where they are first of all where your dispensaries are yeah so in newcastle um Newcastle is Newcastle, yeah. <laughs> and then we have Macquarie, which is you know a suburb next to it. But okay, uh, you, oh. you mentioned you mentioned that uh, you have different clientele who come to to yeah. both, and they come to you with uh, very different problems. Like you, you see similarities across the line and uh, in in the needs uh, for each area, and they're quite drastically different. Can you talk to us about like what you see um, them experiencing and what the differences are? So one is in the suburbs and one is in the city and they're literally 20 minutes apart. But I, when I opened Hamilton last year, the, um, the difference in the clientele that I saw was uh, so interesting and eye-opening for me because in the suburbs, and, you know, I should preface by saying that my suburb clinic at Warners Bay is in a gym. So I tend to attract healthy people, you know, they're already going to the gym, they might be going to yoga, they, uh, they might be seeing the physios there, um, whatever, and they they tend to be really healthy um you know uh, i guess health-minded eating all these great foods and stuff like that and just need a little bit of reworking or they have these underlying conditions that they want to treat and that's um that's you know fine and then when i moved into the city i started getting these really kind of sick people (laughs) and mostly it's because they're all coming from the offices you know they're working in in the city which as you get further into um, Newcastle, it does get a little bit more toxic because we have a huge, um, you know, kind of coal mining um, industry here. Uh, so they're breathing uh, – the air that they're breathing is is different. I live in Newcastle City and I can literally run my finger along my kitchen bench top and get black coal dust. Oh, so, yeah. We're breathing, yeah, we're breathing that in every day. Mm. And um, 
the office workers are just a whole other kettle of fish, really. They're, you know, they're often um, sickly. Their immune systems are low. They're working, you know, I had a client in yesterday. She's working a 12-hour day and then going home and working as well. So they're overworked, they're stressed, they're often their mental health is suffering. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I just found that I needed uh, I needed different herbs. And actually I do a lot more sleep tonics at my city clinic because people therefore aren't sleeping very well. You know, that's that, yeah. it's that whole cycle. And then just, thing. yeah, it goes into their whole life. Mm. Yeah. It's definitely different there. It's very interesting. Um, you also have uh, a first aid kit, like a medical herbal first aid kit. Can you talk to us about that one? Yeah, I um, I was so excited to make this. So one of my, one of my motivations for that, I guess, and it's a key naturopathic principle, is to kind of educate the community that you live in to to be able to heal themselves naturally and to do this, you know, some of the more acute medicine and the minor medicine at home, so that. Every time we have a cold, we don't go and get antibiotics. And every time, you know, somebody burns themselves or they get mm. some bruises or, um, you know, whatever it might be, have a bit of bloating or tummy aches and stuff like that, they don't have to wait to come and see me. They can treat themselves and they can treat their family really safely at home with some simple tonics. Yeah. So um, if you read Green Pharmacy, you know, this is a big part of what she is passionate about as well. And that's, you know, putting putting that education back in the hands of the public and, and, you know, I think what's happened with medicine is that's really been taken off us and Mm. um, our autonomy has been taken away and that's something that as a naturopath you try to bring to every single client. You give them back their autonomy over their health, we educate them, we we allow them to make the choices. So nearly every consult I'm finding myself saying, okay, we have a couple of options here, you know, and I'll put it back in their hands because Mm. it's their health. It's and good. it has to be something that they can do and they can sustain and that they want to do, you know. I can't tell somebody that they can't eat this or they can't eat that. And then, you know, they go they go home and they're still eating that and they come back for their follow-up and they go, oh, no, I stopped eating that. Like they have to be comfortable and it has to be doable <laughs> and they have to, you know, go home and do it and not feel like they have to lie to me. Um, yeah. So I created, yeah, this first aid kit and it's just got some really simple safe tonics like, you know, it has a pain relieving tonic, which um, has willow and turmeric in it, actually, uh, which can be used for period pain or headaches or all those kind of minor aches and pains, arthritis, stuff like that. Mm. And it has a tummy tonic, which is, you know, gets rid of bloating or what I call accidental ingestion. So if you are intolerant to gluten, for example, and you accidentally have some or some idiot gives you gluten <laughs> at the cafe and it's not gluten-free, um, then, you know, you can have a little bit of this tonic and it moves it through and stops it stagnating, stops the bloating. It's great for IBS and stuff like that. Um, and I have, it has bruise cream, which is arnica cream. It has calendula cream, which is super versatile for kids and, you know, nappy rash and itchy bites and things like that. Um, yeah, it's and I think it has like six tonics, two creams, and I've got some. I'm really, I really hate that alcohol stuff that you get yeah. from the hospital stuff. You know, you do your hands with it. Yeah, alcohol. So I wash it. Yeah. yeah. So I put a natural version of that in oh, as awesome. well. <laughs> we, you know, we made with grape seed extract. Um, so yeah, people just have some options when you know if they're at home, they can pull that out. And sure, you could chuck some Nurofen in there. You could chuck some. Um, you know, other bits and pieces like some of that more normal basic first aid because I really believe in in both types of medicine and 
um, you know, part of my path may be to <laughs> study uh, medicine at some stage, which I'm really passionate about. It's just uh, deciding whether to undertake that 10-year kind of, mm-hmm. um, you know, wow. <laughs> huge thing. Um, but, yeah, like I, I really am a fan of pharmacy because I'm a huge fan of antidepressants um, in particular. So I'm very respectful of that. And you can certainly use both mm-hmm. medicines you know, that you don't have to be one way or the other. So the beautiful thing about the first aid kit is you can personalize it as well and you can add different herbs and you can add different um, pharmacy stuff as well. So, yeah, that's where that kind of come from. Oh, and I wrote a really cool book so you can read all about how yeah. the herbs work. Tell us what the book's called. <laughs> oh, that's only that's a little one with the first aid kit. It's just called oh, Natural First okay. It comes with it, yeah. So it's just this little book and it tells you what, what is in each tonic and oh, how cool. that works um, and why I put it in there kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I keep meaning to get that. So, <laughs> fantastic. So, um, look, there's a point I, w- I want to sort of uh, talk about because this is not, not something that we uh, – I imagine we'd get into now, but since you mentioned it, and um, typically we've had um, other people come on the show to talk about these things in particular, like Dr. Kelly Brogue, and she came and talked mm. about antidepressants, and she had a completely different view to you around, um, you know, she, she thought that they were actually quite bad for people to take, and uh, especially as a long-term intervention, and she her job as a doctor, she was prescribing them, and then now she's trying to get people off them as a um, in her practice, and that's what she does. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her work, but she was um, one of the speakers at the Mind Forum. Uh, well, she's the keynote speaker at the Mind Forum last year. Mm-hmm. I'm just interested in, in your take on antidepressants and why you're such a big fan of them. Uh, you know, typically in the uh, na- natural medicine world, they're viewed with quite a bit of skepticism. Skepticism. So, love love to hear what what you like so much about them. Yeah, I think. I was definitely of that opinion when I first started practicing and I was like, you know, going to save the world and get everybody off um, antidepressants and put them on herbs. And, and the more that I worked through my clinic and with my clients, the more I saw that, that, that wasn't going to help people. Um, I see antidepressants save people's lives. And I, I work with some really fantastic doctors who, you know, I'll give them two, I'll give people two weeks on herbs. And if that's not enough, then, then they're straight to my, my doctor colleagues and they're, um, getting some, some, um, uh, some medicinal help because it's not something that I'm willing to risk people's lives for. And, um, you know, I think it's such a serious, uh, yeah, it's such a serious, serious thing to be playing with. And I'm not qualified enough to, go further with that like like the doctor would be um and certainly if there was other options i would do it but at this stage i can i if i can put somebody on a low dose antidepressant and then completely you know support or negate all of those side effects any and all of the side effects that they have with herbs which i do very well then i think that they're a lifesaver and i think that they are really important medicine um for us to have access to so do you feel that there's something that, um, apart from being a short-term intervention, there should be something that a person would use as a lifelong uh, medicine, like they have issues with depression or anxiety and things like that? Yeah, I, I do see that. Um, okay. 
yeah, I've I've worked with many many of my clients are on um, different kind of medications, but I've I've worked with people to take them off antidepressants, and um, sometimes that's successful and it works really well, and they keep going on with their herbs. Um, but sometimes it hasn't been, and we've we've had to go back to the antidepressants. But it is always at a at a lower dose than that with herbs than they would need if they didn't have herbs. So I have a I mean, I have a peace of mind with that because, you know, I think the issues with antidepressants do seem to start once they go over a certain dose and that's really individual for each person and it depends on the actual antidepressant as well. Um, so there are some that I'm really comfortable working with and then and my doctors, my doctors, uh, my doctor colleagues, we will talk about that and then there's others that obviously um, I'm not comfortable with them going on if it's, you know, their first time on um antidepressants and we just need a little bit of help to and you know sometimes that little bit of help is just to allow the herbs to have a chance to kick Mm. in um so yeah it can be short term but yeah i think for me i I see people say that you know this this medicine makes a difference in my life every day and i don't plan to go off it and it's something that i'll counsel my clients on as well because there's a lot of fear around staying on a antidepressant and then if that's, if that's five milligrams of Lexapro that, and you know you're taking herbs and you've got all the support like you may need some supplements as well because we know that they deplete a few nutrients but um, if you can be really well on that I don't see any reason why we can't um, do that for people. Yeah all right. that, that's a, a really good point and I haven't really actually thought about sort of you integrating it into a more holistic perspective it's not something that I can say I don't actually personally have any uh, experience with any of these drugs um, but uh, a lot of people yeah a lot of people in our community and so yeah, so does Joe in her family but um, yeah. but yeah it's an interesting take on sort of uh, trying to sort of allow them to to stabilize a person until either the, the herbs kick in or if they're at a low enough dose where the side effects are minimal and can even be mitigated by, um, you know, the herbs or supplements or whatever it is that you take. That, that's an interesting. I'll, I'll take that away and have a think about it. Um, yeah. We, uh, we found because, it. Because like my, my preference is always to sort of uh, avoid pharmaceuticals um, because of their uh, isolate um, qualities and uh, like they haven't been in use in human history for a long time whereas food has been in you know we've been eating food for as long as we've uh, been human a human even longer so um that's usually like where i i like to sort of focus on in terms of our healing but yeah for intervention i think uh, that that sounds like an okay plan for a short term joe that's been your experience as well you took some we we used it for my son with his ocd and anxiety and depression for um he it was an intervention definitely and then we got straight into the gut healing and when he had worked through gut health and was doing a lot better with that he was able to come off the um, antidepressants slowly and at first I was thinking oh it's the antidepressants can you hear me Joe yeah repeat from as I say talk about how um you were doing, uh, like uh, Isaac took the antidepressant. It cut off from that point. So just start from the top about Isaac. Okay. Um, So when my son Isaac's um, OCD got really bad, um, I took him to the doctor and he was put onto antidepressants, just a very low dose. And straight away we went on to the GAPS diet and started working through that. Um, And it was really 
amazing to see how quickly he improved. But I thought at first, what if it's just the antidepressants? You know, it was um, worrying me that if we took him off the antidepressants, he would just go back to where he was. And I talked to the psychologist about it and she said, no, actually, um, usually by, I can't remember how many months it was, maybe three or four, maybe six. She said, usually by this time, the doctors doubled the dose of the antidepressants, but because of all the work that you're doing, it's been able to stay at a low dose. Um, she said it's not just the antidepressants. And then after another, say, five months, I think it was less than a year, and he was able to go completely off his antidepressants and he hasn't been back on. And that's been um, a year and a half, I think, that he's been off. So, I mean, I think it, like it's different for everyone, obviously, um, but I was just so happy to have him off them because I just didn't really know what the long-term <laughs> results could be. And just um, like he does have to be careful with his diet or his anxiety levels go back up again with the inflammation. Um, and I do find with, um, with my other son, he has to take supplements or else he gets the anxiety. So, yeah, I can see how I always say to people, I think, like don't go off the antidepressants and then do gaps or start supplements to try and get well. Start working yeah. on both at once and then see what happens because, you know, we did find, like just an encouragement for people listening, we did find healing still with the antidepressants. Like people get the idea if you're taking the antidepressants, maybe you won't get better. But, um, yeah, yeah, if you want to mention anything about that, Melissa, because I've had that question yesterday actually. Um, people thinking that if they take the medication, then the gut health work won't actually work, but it did for us. Hmm. That's, com yeah, completely untrue. There's no yeah. reason why all that work won't, won't still Same be, thing. you know, functioning, functional, all of that food. Um, like there's no reason why. And mm. sure, some, throw some extra gut bacteria, throw some probiotics, some beautiful healing fermented foods, all that kind of stuff. And if you're worried about, possible minor die-off of you know the bugs or that effect on the liver but even herbal medicine takes a toll on the liver mm. so these are made to process toxins i mean that's what we have a liver for that's what we have kidneys for that's what we have skin for you know <laughs> so um i yeah i think what you said is key you absolutely like i will never go down the road of helping someone go off their antidepressants if they have not got underlying herb supplement food yeah. support. Yeah. We like I just won't go there if they're not willing to do those things they're then just go I won't back work to where they were. Yeah, I won't work with their doctor and they will get sicker. Mm -hmm. Um but also I think a really good important point is that the antidepressants are still affecting a change. They're not just covering, you know, they're not just um you know, tricking people into thinking they're happy or that kind of thing. They're absolutely still affecting a change in the biochemistry of the brain. So um, that works for some people. It doesn't work for others. And it's so individual and it depends on the medication and all of these factors come into play for myself. Antidepressants were possibly the worst uh, way that I think that I ever tried. Mm. Um, but for my husband, that's what keeps him here every day with me. So you know, it's, it's really personal it and is. it's so individual. Yeah. Uh, Melissa, can you tell us about the book that you've just released and uh, where people can find it, where they can find you, where they can learn more about what you do and how to get in contact with you? Of course. So um, we released a book last year, Simply Balanced, and it's all about 
simple balanced food and just having a good balance of macronutrients and whole healing foods with everything that you eat, you know, really looking at your plate um, and, you know, thinking, does this serve me? Is this food alive? Um, you know, is this, is this meal balanced and, and, you know, is going to get me through the day, I guess. Um, so that, I guess, oh, yeah, I actually wrote it too <laughs> because <laughs> of shooting tolerances, um, which, I, you know, I forget by now because it was, it feels like so long ago. Um, I wrote it because of food intolerances. My experience with all of my clients, I started kind of, uh, didn't set out to write a cookbook, started writing recipes for every single client who came in with these food intolerances. Yeah. And, yeah, so I put them all in this Word document and I'd email it to them, um, you know, and change yeah, things good. for different people. Oh, yeah, but it took me forever. <laughs> and, then, and then I had people ask for pictures. They wanted, like, oh, photos of them. <laughs> people don't so, like cooking without pictures, we found. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The other thing is I'm no chef, so I was going, put a handful of this in and, oh. you know, a couple of handfuls That's of that. That's how I started and, too. Yeah, and so that actually took months to work out and fit <laughs> for the cookbook. That's another story. But um, they were going, well, what's a handful, you know? Like people like to follow recipes and they want to make it the same. And some people, I mean, food's my passion. I'm a foodie no matter what. I'll be a foodie at heart. So for me that was okay. But people who maybe their forte is numbers, you know, they're mm. an accountant. Or are picking on accountants, but um, you know they're better. They're better at other things. So they just want a recipe they can follow and it's fail safe. So we wrote the you wrote the recipe book simply balanced, and um, I've sold sold my first batch, which was really nice. Um, we're just about to order a second batch, which is very exciting. And then um, had the book launch two weeks two weeks ago. Um, but because we'd already sold them all, uh, actually pre-sold my second book, which comes out in April, which is all. <laughs> kind of um, gut healing and being a lot of stuff I spoke about um, working from a different perspective but looking at um, rather than soups and, you know, that traditional kind of gut healing route, looking at using a whole animal from, you know, nose to tail oh, awesome. and what, what stuff we can get from that animal in terms of gut healing and, um, yeah, nutrition. So it's kind of an ethical approach, I guess, to meat eating as well. That's good. <laughs> When, the, when does that come out, Melissa? Um, well, you can, you, they can pre-order it on my website. So, um, oh, okay. All this stuff's on my website, first aid kit, books, all that kind of stuff. So, um, comes out in April, though, isn't it? Yeah, we'll yeah. have copies. Yeah, 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 yeah. So okay. you, the pre-order is really um, – we do like a pre-order to – I don't know if you guys – yeah, we you, did too, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, self-publishing is hard work and it's more expensive. Yes. So um, <laughs> we give people a discount if they pre-order because it helps me to order the the, um, the books. So um, yeah. I'm very thankful of all that support. So, yeah, they can go in for the pre-order, get a discount, or they can wait till it comes and pay full price, whatever they want to do. <laughs> awesome. Melissa, thank you so much for coming on the show. I uh, really appreciate the insight that you've given us today and uh, hopefully I'll have a chat to you soon as well to book in that hour to talk about uh, what herbal supplements I can use within my own life to improve it and uh, to address some underlying issues. So, um, yeah, expect a, a call from me soon and uh, really thanks uh, so much for being here today. Yeah, thank it's so you. Much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for giving us another chance to... <laughs> <laughs>
It was great. I didn't press record. Did you press record? Sure. Oh, <laughs> nah. I'll just check. Of course I did. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we'll we'll chat to you within uh, next uh, two weeks as well. Come back and uh, listen to the podcast again. We come out every second week. Um, and um, what's new, Joe? What what kind of news shall we tell everyone here? Where um, if you uh, have book, books coming out in early April, if you've pre-ordered yeah. the cookbook, it hits the shores in early April, and then the people who are uh, actually looking after the postage for us that it'll take them around a week to get around six and a half thousand books out to everyone so that's a bit crazy but um <laughs> we'll hopefully you get your copy by middle middle april and um if what you, else? Uh, you want if you have pre-ordered uh, make sure you check your email or get the person who ordered for you to check their email because we just sent out an update yesterday with two free recipes from the book and you don't want to miss them uh, you'll also be getting an SMS uh, from us closer to the date and an email in case you've changed your address. You'll uh, be able to update your address with us before the shipping takes place. Uh, Joe and I are looking at uh, doing a, a gut health retreat up in the uh, Atherton Tablelands near mm-hmm. where Joe lives, the most amazing part of Australia. If you haven't right. been there, you've got to go. <laughs> and uh, it's going to be a three-day retreat uh, in the most beautiful part of this um, tropical Paradise. Is it subtropic? What do you call it? Wet tropics? It's um, wet tropics, yes. Wet tropics, yeah. Yeah, It's an incredible part of Australia. If you haven't been there, you're going to love it. Lots of waterfalls, crater lakes, places to go swimming, wildlife. It's it's full of Joe's family, though. So if you don't like (laughs) Joe and her family, then. (laughs) Yeah, watch out. You'll meet them everywhere. Yeah. That's right. (laughs) Cool. Uh, Joe, I'll chat to you uh, soon. Uh, Melissa, thanks again. Thanks, Thanks, everybody. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.